What's up, everybody? It is Hotline League episode 129. It is the special birthday special because we've got the birthday boy himself, Mark Zimmerman, here. He's wearing a little hat that I made for him. Uh, and by made, I mean downloaded off Google Images, and then I've been just trying to keep it balanced on his head. I put way, it on my forehead so it looks like a unicorn. Okay, here. There we go. He's got a nice little unicorn birthday. Anyway, whatever. Uh, we're also joined by Papa Smithy from Hundred Thieves. How's it going, Papa Smithy? Uh, you know, relatively good. Yeah. Well, I I appreciate you. <laughs> you. Uh, we'll 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 do the fi- the check in with you in just a second. But I, for those that don't know, Papa Smithy, um, which I think Mark is the only one that would know, was proactive in in asking us uh, if we had a guest for tonight, so that you know he could he could talk and address any. Any concerns from the community, which I thought was really cool and, and is very Mark's already very big-timed rare. me one time before, so... I did? Remember the time where... You had probably loaded up, I think. And oh, me to come I, on. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so... You know, pull me once, pull me twice, etc. So, yeah. you know... Well, I really quickly, say, by the way, shout-out to Alienware. We'll talk about them later. But go ahead, Mark. I was going to say, it's it's a crazy turnaround from, like, two years ago with 100 Thieves when there was all their roster things going on. Uh, for worlds and everyone was like why is is cody not playing or why all this and it was just complete radio silence so i think myself and a lot of other people are just like whoa this is so much more transparent it's so nice you know you put out a video now you're doing a talk show it's incredible the, the difference yes no i appreciate it i mean it. when i came on one of the things i kind of spoke about was proactive messaging and obviously having the reins to kind of do what i wanted to do so given that as a caster i was always pretty big on integrity and like calling a good game a good game and a bad game a bad game, it makes sense that where possible, I try and give as much transparency for our org as well. Do you, um, and we'll get into the details in a second, but uh, just because you said that, I'm really curious because I feel like the orgs always, every org thinks that they are treated unfairly by the LCS broadcast. Uh, This past weekend, for instance, the CLG, some CLG staff members. Well, I'm just, I'm bringing it up. You don't have to talk about it. Some CLG staff members were talking about how they felt like the broadcast treats them really unfairly and like after they beat you guys um uh beat 100t the broadcast said like okay let's talk about how 100t lost and the staff members were saying why aren't we talking about how sealed you won so i just i'm curious like do you find yourself ever looking at the lcs broadcast and being like man they are not being fair to us i don't know if it's kind of ironic at all given your past i think yes and no but maybe in a different way than you might expect like I don't have any time to watch the analyst desk after our games because the moment the game's over, the TV's off and we're reviewing, right? So there's no time to watch the analyst desk. Like I get to get the POV of the five players and the coaches and stuff. So I don't see that. I know that definitely in spring when we were on the upturn at the end of it, you know, when we went eight and three, it felt like all the stories were about will Team Liquid make it or not or will Cloud9 kind of like 017-1. And so, like, there's definitely that feeling of, like, hey, we're doing good stuff over here, but no one saw it. But, like, that's not the – like, even though I have, like, a a platform to, like, whine about things like that, like, I don't think whining about it does anything. Like, I don't think there's any – that they're all my peers and people I worked with. Like, I get why it happened. I can also be, like, personally a little bit disappointed. But, like, shit always gets lost in the shuffle, right? That's the reality. Yeah, I think it's the kind of thing where – I think every team at some point has that feeling. I know when I was working at Curse and Team Liquid, there were times where it's like they're not really covering us well or right. And like, well, the right part is the interesting one, right? Because yeah. you have your group thinking, like you know, 
about where you are and what you are. And then there's the public perception. You always forget that like 99% of what you're doing isn't seen by anyone other than you. So it does color all the objective perspectives. Yeah. yeah. I just, I think it's really interesting to go from, and I wonder if Jat will feel this at all. I don't know how much he's paying attention to the broadcast, but going from the broadcast where, and I know you were in, in LC, LCK, but going from a broadcast role where you're like, we got to talk about like the hottest shit to going to the team side where you're like, why aren't they talking about my shit? Or why are they talking about it the way I don't like it? Just, it's very, very funny. Um, okay. So in case people didn't notice uh, the, because we're going to reference this a lot, I will, I will provide context on what happened last night. So after the weekend, uh, Medios last night tweeted like this is something around the lines of this is going to sound really troll. But after week three of the sever split, I find out that I'm uh, getting benched um, and that that this was obviously in his mind a, a throwback to two years ago when he was on the team. And and I think the exact same time in summer split, this ended up happening. Um, he made a frustrated tweet, which I think he has since removed shortly thereafter, in which he criticized the coaching staff um, and, yeah. and you, um, uh, Papa Smithy, for uh, for making the decision and claimed that this was something that the, the team was unaware or the players were unaware of specifically. Uh, he since kind of like seemingly walked it back a little bit by saying that uh, you know, he understands why people felt like the tweet was unprofessional or whatever. And, and so here we are now. You, you've now put out your video um, mm -hmm. talking about the changes. Uh, do you want to detail what those changes are for those that are or have missed that video? Sure. It's two changes for our LCS roster for week four. It's contracts coming in for Medios and then Academy Support Poom coming in for Stunt. Okay. Um, so what was the reasoning behind the the decisions? Uh, I think it's pretty simple. Um, obviously, spring, we, we finished really strong. Like, we had very much a improvement mindset all the way through, started weak, started to ramp up. You know, third place in the regular season obviously felt like an accomplishment, even if, you know, people have their umbrage about the league power rankings like uh, in spring. Um, the playoffs got annihilated by Cloud9, so obviously, you know, you're definitely feeling that loss, and then... The five-game loss to TSM was at least not going out with a whimper. Like, if it was the straight sets 3-0, 3-0, then it's like your regular season, like, was a fluke or something. Like, the fact that we could at least take go to five games against TSM was a moral victory, even if it wasn't what we were looking for. Um, and then, you know, off-season comes around. It's COVID. Like, a lot of roster changes are really difficult. You reach out to all the GMs, and no one can really make moves apart from swaps, you know? Um, and very unlikely going to get some gem swap there like everyone's pretty clear of, of where they're at with what they're at with and so we, we looked at what we had and we said look the, the improvement here was pretty clear the team has done enough to justify rolling it back and seeing if the ceiling can continue to extend we hold ourselves to a really good practice regimen and an improvement mindset you can't improve much further than third regular season in the sort of run we're on but let's let's see what happens in summer right like i think they definitely deserved that right um, coming into week three, one and five, like clearly something's off. Um, I know people kind of master in strength of schedule in the first two weeks, but I think a lot of people can look at our side of the game and see that there were definitely kind of bigger issues than just that enemy team's pretty good. Um, and 
everyone can only draw inferences from stage games, right? Even though it's a, what is it, like a, at least 10 to 1, um, you know, scrim game to stage game thing. Yeah. Our, our practice started really good after the break. You know, it was a, a really nice start, but it slowly started to degrade as well. And so when you're sitting there and you're not seeing the improvements that you want and you have 16 players across three levels kind of in your org, there has to be changes if you're not looking to stay the course. Like the way I look at summer, if eight teams make playoffs, an honorable fifth or sixth place, if we have an uptick and then go out and playoffs, like what's the difference between fourth and eighth? You know, almost nothing, right? You don't go to Worlds. So at the end of the day, it was guys, do we believe? And by guys, I mean your staff. Do we believe that if we don't change and we continue to work as hard as we are, because it's never been a commitment issue, will we make Worlds? And once the answer became no as a consensus, then changes had to happen. Uh, Mark, feel free to, to jump in if you have any specific questions. Otherwise, I'm happy to keep. Yeah, I definitely uh, have some. And I don't want to like rob too many from the community. But um, I think that's a, a very appropriate mindset with you know how franchising is now. And like the goal is to either make worlds or plan for 2021. And mm -hmm. I think people don't. Uh, a lot of teams don't feel like they, they index enough into one of those two. So I definitely, you know, appreciate like the, okay, we're going for worlds. We think we can do it. What are the changes we need to make? Um, of those changes, what, I mean, you said Meteos can potentially come back as a six member. Die? I think it might've died. Oh, oh yours, yours might have died. I think just uh, turn off the webcam and turn it back on again. Okay. I'll do that. Um, sorry, do you want to continue, Mark? I don't know. I'm just going to give him a second to reset his webcam. <sighs> I just, uh, silence is the, the death of, of podcasts. We just, all, all 2000 people are going to log off now. I have to keep, I have to keep talking. Otherwise people think that their MP3 player has stopped. We can just beatbox their iPod as another option. Yeah. Just to keep the, uh, the audio going. Okay. I think I'm back. Yes, Hopefully. you are back. Yes. Okay, cool. So I was just saying, um, you know, like I, I think the mindset's really good. I really appreciate the mindset. Uh, and I was going to ask, how were these the changes that you pinpointed? Was it like you're talking about stage performance, scrim performance, attitude? Like what was like the way that you went about deciding which changes need to happen? Sure. And I think that's always a very difficult process to fully wrap yourself around. Yeah. Like you mentioned, there's immediate goals of making it to Worlds. And um, there's longer term goals of if we're an org that's full of NA talent and young players, like you want to see inertia, you know, up to the top or results. Like you can't really have, um, if the results start to fall away, then suddenly there is like a lot of play. If you feel like you have a lot of players at the secondary level that could actually apply their trade in LCS and, and get time from it, then I think that just becomes the, the theory there. And, and it's, it's, it's very, like, obviously, there's a certain amount of information that is best left unsaid, but mm -hmm. the reality of it is, is that we looked at our roster and we were like, okay, how many changes? And obviously, you lose as a five. Like, there's no question in my mind that there's blood on everyone's hands, right? It's not one person's the problem by any means. All of our players worked really hard. There were no issues there. I think when it comes to Stunt, you know, he was a player that obviously his performance in spring was 
at times adequate, at times on, on stage, he definitely struggled. Um, he came in really, really strong in practice after the break, and we were doing really well as a bot lane 2v2. So it was very much a case of letting that roll um, while we assessed our options in Academy. And the stage games just weren't quite getting there, unfortunately. So to us, it made sense to try one of our two Academy supports. We had a six-man roster with two supports. Um, Contracts has really been looking very, very good in Academy. I had a debrief with him at the end of spring, because obviously you speak to every player one-on-one, -on -one, you know, how'd you do, what's the problems, et cetera. And he was very self-critical um, and kind of talking about where he wanted to go and where he wanted to be and what his regrets were. And that's obviously common, right? And everybody in hindsight can talk a big game, but his application to practice both in the off-season and his start to summer in Academy have been really, really strong. So it was a case of, obviously, the meta kind of favors some of his picks as well. Um, we would kind of hit our ceiling as, as what the team looks like. Medios serves as our in-game leader in a big way, and a lot of the a lot of the in and out of game you know, is very colored by Medios. You watch the heist, and obviously it's his memes, and a lot of the team's color is there. And it was going to be a big reset if we were going to go with a new starting jungler for sure. But just given where the meta was and also this idea of this is a core piece of a team and I think Medios the core reason we went so far in spring, are we going to be able to really judge some of our other pieces if we keep him in there? Or will it be, at least for the short term, an idea to bring in contracts, bring in someone who's been trained down the house and then judge from there? by no means kind of exercising Medios. Like at the end of the day, he's very much able to choose his path from here. He's by no means not in the consideration for LCS. All we've committed to is we like what we've seen from contracts, a player we like a lot. Let's give him 100% scrim time for the foreseeable future and just see what team comes from that. So <clears throat> so you guys evidently let Medios know this and he um, reacts strongly on social media <laughs> and uh it goes out onto the subreddit and people um like myself say well hotline league is gonna be interesting tomorrow uh but you know in that moment i mean what is your reaction to to when you see stuff like that i mean clearly it's not something i'm sure any organization wants to have whenever they're making transitions on the roster from their players i think I mean, for full disclosure, like we kind of walked Medios through our process. He basically accepted it and left um, and chose to release his statement, which I think is very much in his right. Like from his perspective, it's the same week, two years later with the same org. Um, and you can get into the nitty gritty and point out how many things are different, right? But like for him to feel hurt and vulnerable in that moment and angry, and he's a guy who all year has been like our captain. Like he's the guy who's like, guys, stop fucking around. We need to practice. We need to get on top of this. To be told that he's being removed is obviously going to be a huge affront to him. Like I really respect Will. Like he's someone who I get along with really, really well, at least, you know, before this announcement and hopefully in the future. And so I, get, I completely get his perspective. And like you can put on your GM hat and be like, oh, our planning process is now different and things like that. But I choose to just be a human and, and recognize where he was and understand what he's going through. And it doesn't change my opinion of him at all. 
So just just for context, because I had I had people literally messaging me, being like, "Do you think Medios just boomed his own career with that tweet?" Or, you know, the Reddit, the Reddit thread was was saying, you know, goodbye Medios or whatever. Um, it this is not a situation where you guys are looking to distance yourself from him or whatever. I mean, it sounds like you're saying there's still a spot, and you guys there's. I, I don't know. I don't want to say there's no hard feelings, um, but maybe it's this not something where I you get, look. I can only speak for myself. Yeah, I, there's no hard feelings with me, by any means. Like I've seen the the levels he's gone to to raise the team up. You know, kicking and screaming at times, uh, mentoring role at times. Like he's been a really really good influence uh, on the team side, especially to the side of professionalism and, and staying on task and things like that. And I look at Spring, and then if we had any other jungler with the mixture of personalities we had. We had a pretty quiet group or some rookies and things like that. And Medios was really doing a lot of heavy lifting to get those guys talking, get those guys animated and kind of understand the game at his level. And you've, if you've ever seen him on the analyst desk, he's really phenomenally smart about the game. Like if we, if, if for whatever reason Medios couldn't play in spring, I think we would have been petrified on stage. Like we just wouldn't have had the right like understandings and experience to, to prosper. I think over the course of the year, obviously a lot of knowledge is collected and disse disseminated and shared. And I feel like there are now players who can step up to replace his mind. Um, at least that's obviously the hope given that we've made the change. But no, there's definitely no hard feelings for me. And it's just on, it's on Will, right? Like to me, he's one of you know, North America's all-star players, you know, like he's been around a really long time. Obviously the results haven't been the same in the second half as they were in the first half of his career. But he's someone who's had a very long stature in the game, and he's, he chose to come back to my team. And he was the first player who took a chance on 100 Thieves with no roster, just for the chance to work with me and Tony. So whatever he might write in the heat of a moment is definitely not going to change anything about his commitment to 100 Thieves, um, you know, November of last year, and his commitment to 100 Thieves as a player all through 2020. I see a lot of people in chat asking about Ryoma or saying, why aren't they bringing this? You guys, this is a call-in show. I don't know if you realize that, but if you have a question or a take or an opinion, feel free to call in. I have a couple already in the chat. Uh, the Discord chat's very active tonight. I think we, I don't know if I pulled someone for, Ry I think I pulled someone for Ryoma, so we can talk, talk I mean, if, about if it. If not, I'm sure, you know, we've, yeah, got, we've got time. Yeah. Yeah. So if if you guys are if there's nothing else, Travis, I think no. Uh, I mean, unless you have anything that you would you would think about, I just want. Well, I think like doing the the base level of conversation about this, so then people can react to that and like. Yeah, you know, we don't have to wait for call three to talk about Medios' tweet or something. That's sort of the way I was thinking about. Yeah, this. yeah. I I have a bunch that will probably be more hundred thieves focused for the first half of the show, and then maybe we'll branch out into the broader LCS scene. Yeah. Um. Because oh, by the way, yeah, chat like. Well, obviously, we're going to talk to Papa Smithy a lot about Hundred Thieves because that's uh, all the other topics are on the table, baby. Yeah, let's yeah. Do let's talk. Let's, let's talk, talk about immortals. Immortals, yeah, all sorts of stuff. So, um, Mortals oh, Academy, C pretty good. Yeah, CLG, I think, is an interesting conversation as well. There's a lot of different I love all stuff that going on fresh new talent like Apollo, Hakuho, and Smithy. Yeah, so coming He's got up a good name, Academy, Academy talent. Yeah, <laughs> actually, we. I would love to have somebody call because there was this weird reaction. I know we're going to get our next caller, but it was really weird to see this conversation strike out and be like, people need to realize that Academy has really valuable players in it. Look at this Academy team. I was saying this unironically, whatever, like the majority of these players were the LCS players. And we, it's like literally insanity. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, Alorum like has been around, right? But yeah, he's yeah, he's got like, a couple of shots, but but yeah, I, I think of Alorum like stunt where he never really got the full try. Like he never like stunt got his first full split in spring. Like he'd never gotten that chance, even though he bounced around teams. So I think Alorum could do with like a full split in LCS to really not. I think there are a lot of those kind of like have gotten like solo was for a while because he would be like brought in for sure. echo fox when they had visa issues and stuff i think there's a lot of people in that bucket that probably deserve a real shot i just think it's funny that at the same time they also move potluck back down so it was just like a total swap of rosters with like at least as far as i could tell not really a coherent like vision for why but Pat, either Pat way Grett in the chat says talk about weldon na east versus na west and spam that multiple times again call in show Call in. I see someone talking about that in there. I I think it's I I'd like to talk about it because I think it's I mean it got went up way high on the subreddit and people were like this is a good idea. I think I'm gonna I'm... I assume you're okay. Yeah, he's gone. But I assume I assume Mark's hesitancy there is because to us I I, I maybe it's different. Papa Smithy will find out if we talk about it. But like uh, it just seems like a very strange idea to me. Uh, I'm down to talk about whatever, Travis. Let's hey, do this thing. Thank you. A uh, couple quick shout-outs while we wait for Mark to come back. Geronimo, Jordan with the 29, 29 months. Four Kings, Shell Deasy gifted a sub to Papa Smithy. Sally's are for one year. Don Nardo. And we're back with... Uh, can I just call you Hunted? Yes, you can. It's, it's your, your 100T Hunted, but you've changed it to 001. That's what it is, right? Yeah, it's my Clash team name. Okay, nice. nice. Well, what do you want to talk about on the... Uh, oh, sorry, wait. Where are you calling from? Uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Baltimore, Maryland. What do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, my take is that with the recent changes by 100T, they will be a top three team by the end of a split in regular season. I like season. this guy. I this like this so... guy. All right. the, audience, the audience is so predictable, by the way. I feel like the first this call This is the kind of have... pandering I am all about. We just got to start easy before we get the Ryoma guy who's like, he sucks. I, I just it's, it's just funny to me because anytime we have anybody on, Twitch chat's like, why why won't they pull any of the tough takes? And and I know that like the, the this Discord is chat is just like here. paid audience, paid callers, I'm loving it. Yeah. We could we could have Weldon on this weekend, people would say CLG's gonna win worlds this year. Anyway, uh so you think you think now we're gonna see uh, uh these guys be top uh, top three. Why do you think this hunted? Uh so with the recent changes, I think Poom replicates a lot of stun shampoo with aggressive supports such as thresh nautilus bard stuff like that but i think he has a higher skill ceiling than stunt so i'm interested to see what how that plays out mm -hmm. and contracts also has a stronger uh meta pool for this meta with stuff like graves and lee and adali and stuff like that uh with combined with the with the roster already with rioma being seeming to improve especially with azir and oriana gameplay uh, someday's consistency, Cody's son's late game team fighting, uh, that they can be a top three team by the end of a split, and I think they will. Who do you? Who, who else do you think will be in the top top two with them? You always have to ask uh, this think, question, right? I think it's C9 first, TL second, Hunter T third, and uh, FlyQuest EG in that. Okay, so so spot. you're basically arguing Hunter T will surpass FlyQuest and EG with with this take. Yes. Yeah. And if you want me to reference that. I think FlyQuest, mostly because we saw last split, which I know last split was kind of a meme, but uh, they went two and one overall in summer, including the tiebreaker against them. Mm -hmm. And even EG, they didn't have a positive win record, but a lot of those games were close until mid late game. 
and then there was some mid-late game, and there's some kind of throw to set it off. And that's why I think they're above those two teams. Mark, what are you giggling about? Uh, it's, it's totally unrelated. Don't worry. <laughs> Wait, get your head in the game. Uh, Mark. It's, I'm, it's Okay, you want to know what it is? Tafo, who works at CLG, said CLG is bad and has only beaten bad teams. <laughs> and, and it, so All I the was, takes so far, I'm hearing great. So I was just it was laughing that Tafo put that in, in the Discord. I'm sorry I, uh, my, I'm reading and trying to do is. my job. Happy birthday, Mark. Mark, what do you think of, of this of this take? Will Hunter T surpass Fly I think Quest that's, and... that's really Maybe. optimistic. Um, I, will they get better? Probably. Um, but I think there's a couple elements to it. You know, you talked about play styles and some of the champ pools that uh, could be improved or, you know, even just replicated. I, I think the thing is finding the play style that's going to work for them because as Papa was kind of talking about, Meteos sounds like a, a big part of that team in game and out of game. And shot calling is definitely one of those complicated things where it doesn't ever fall on one person's shoulder. But, you know, having a leader does help a lot. And I don't know who is going to step up. Cody has always seemed very quiet. I don't, some days always seem very quiet. Maybe it's, a, you know, Ryoma could do it or one of the new people stepping in. But it's difficult because you have to learn on the fly what your new game plan is because you're you're already in the middle of the season. Um, so, you know, top three means that not only are these guys coming in and you're finding the same level of cohesion that other teams are going to have, but you also have like a lot of skilled people coming in. So it's, it's a tough sell for me for top three, but I, I definitely think this could be an improvement because I didn't think the team was working super well uh, together. Um, just like when you watch plays and things like that, uh, like TP coordinations and some stuff. Okay, Papa uh, Smithy, are you guys going to... Do you think you will make top three? Like, Are you as confident in the caller that this will happen? And uh, and also, do you think that it'll be TL and, and Cloud9 that are up there with you? I think 100 is number one. Who cares about the <laughs> Okay, there we go. <laughs> That's all I care about. <laughs> Numero uno. Um... I think, obviously, we make these changes aspiring for as high as we can get, you know? Aspiring for Worlds is, is really the goal there. I'm actually not that fussed about what it looks like in regular season, if I'm going to be honest with you, as mm -hmm. long as it's top eight. Um, but I, I think it's one of those things where you can kind of justify any team being top three if you got the high roll on every single player and also the synergy side worked. So... Um, definitely does feel like it's a building me up building up papa smithy take um awkwardly i have to leave after this call so i don't know <laughs> your show's great um but uh <laughs> at the end of the day uh you know we look at this as, as i said before it's like we truly believe that if we ran you know the other roster the old roster all the way through we wouldn't make it to worlds and then connected to that we wouldn't be able to give contracts and puma chance in lcs we look at what these players can provide in an ideal setting or what they've done kind of at lower levels of play. And I can definitely see stylistic ways that we can evolve from where we were before in order to compete at the top. Um, I'm not really putting labels on it because I've seen so little footage of what these five players together look like. So there's no, there's no informed way for me to say anything other than we did our research and we, we thought hard about what our changes are going to be. That doesn't necessarily mean that this will be the locked five-man roster for the rest of the season. It's just we're giving this roster everything we have at the moment, just like we did with the last one. And I feel like our 
strength as a staff has been growth. Um, I think that's been the most consistent thing is like knowing where we are and not deluding ourselves that we're number one or number 10 on any day and charting a course to improve from there. And now whatever environment I walk into tomorrow is going to be a new environment. And so we're going to start somewhere and just try and improve from there. So I'm, I'm going to flip that around on you just a little bit because we, we obviously in, in your answer, and I understand why you're focusing so much on these five players, but obviously getting top three or placing high is the relationship between your five players and everybody else's five players. Sure. You know, you have this background um, coming from a, a caster analyzing teams. Looking at the landscape of the LCS right now, how confident are you? Like, you know, some people might say, hey, the LCS looks really weak outside of Cloud9 right now. Or this is going to be really tough because all these teams are so competitive, so we're going to have to really rise to the challenge. Like, how how difficult do you think it'll be to place top three in relation to what you're seeing from these other teams? So I don't really look at other teams as a yardstick that often now that I'm on the team side. Um, obviously, it was all about relative power rankings, right, when you're a yeah. caster and predictions and things like that. Um, I feel like the upside of, of some of my players you know, we see in fits and spurts and we saw in the run in the end of summer, like we have some really talented players. Are they showing it and replicating it on stage in a coherent way every time? No. And that's obviously something that we have work to do. And now we have new pace, pieces, sorry, that will interact with it in different ways. Um, in terms of like my view on the overall level of the LCS, I think there's definitely more than just Cloud9 and the soup, as Mark Zimmerman will forever be known as. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, crowning. Uh, I think there are definitely teams that are more on top of their game than they were in spring. And that gives us great learning opportunities to practice against quality teams um, in the summer season. So I, I think, honestly, we've spent this whole year looking internally to be the solution to our problems rather than copying other teams or looking to what the community's thoughts are on things. And it's served us pretty well. Obviously, we've had kind of a setback in some of our planning and we're going to redouble down. But at the end of the day, um, I think that the league is getting better, but I think our learnings are going to be our process and our improvement more over and above other teams falling apart or anything like that. Hunted, um, before I before I give you your chance to shout out anybody, I know you really only had a chance to offer up your take. Do you have any additional thoughts based off of what you've heard? No, I think it's all the all what you guys said is pretty fair. Yeah. Well, then that... the league is very competitive. In this split, yeah, so, I think. It's a lot better this split than the last. I think uh, FlyQuest and EG are pretty close to the levels they were at the end of the last split, maybe doing a little bit more experimentation. And then, obviously, CLG, TL are, have stepped up a lot. You don't have TSM in there. I, TSM. I mean, they were... I mean, we'll see if we have a TSM caller. Okay. Uh, Hunted, anything you want to say before we say goodbye? Uh, other than shout-out to my Clash team, 1T, uh, nothing. Nothing else. Thanks so much for the call. Thank you. Yeah, have a good one. Off to the next call. Next call we go. <clears throat> While we're waiting, a couple shout outs. Thank you to Mr. Cheese for the 23 months. I love that name mm. so much. Ari Waddle, 26 months. Mega Man Music, Insaya, Othu, Kazastraz, Pedropolo, <clears throat> Inter Enraged GG, and Cruise 44. Rebelcom, Iceman1986 gifted 10 subs. Holy moly. Thank you. Darzombie13. And Fez is here. Fez, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Mobile, Alabama. 
And you've been on the show before. I have a couple times. Um, most notable one is when Nate Shot was on here. Oh, interesting. There you go. Wait, so that's been, Nate Shot. That's that's two years ago, I think, or close to it. Pretty close, yeah. yeah. It, right after the whole Medios thing happened, too. Yes. So, are well, you a Hundred Thieves fan, or is this just crazy coincidence? No, I'm a big Hundred Thieves okay. fan. Okay. Day one. We're stacking them today. I love it. Yeah. Well, let's let's see. Don't sometimes fans are. Uh, that's okay. We I'm don't know how this is going to go. Them if they're down or build them up if they're happy. But Fez, what was your your call in for with regards to Nate Shot? What did you talk to him about? Uh, it was basically complaining about the lack of transparency and what he could and couldn't say, and you know he he. He did a good job of just kind of beating around the bush and respecting the players, and that's pretty much what his take was on it. Yeah. So. Well, what is your what is your call this time? Uh, my call this time is that Hundred Thieves will set the example that players no longer run the LCS teams, since you know this was how it was done back in the past. You know, players would control rosters, decisions, in-game decisions, and I think the LCS has changed so much with money and sponsors they put too much into it to just have mediocre mediocre results and i think it'll be a great change for the league and i think papa smithy is leading by example which is great so it's very funny because baby i'm loving mark zimmerman today on his birthday it's my birthday (laughs) too good vibes all around Uh, so this well i just really quickly want to say it's very funny because i have one player in mind right now who i could say (laughs) shows you that players don't run the lcs and that players do run the LCS over the course of just a two, uh, two month period of time. Obviously, I'm talking about Doublelift, who got who's like the star of the league, got benched by TL, and and I think that's that's an evidence of a team making a a decision with um, you know like a very unpopular decision to bench a star. But then he goes to TSM, where it does feel like him and Bjerg are, uh, you know, not just running TSM potentially, but also running. Uh, the Players Association. So it's it's a very funny situation. Mark, what were you going to say? So I was going to comment a little bit on that. Like, there is still some teams who seem like they have players uh, higher on the totem pole. Um, as much as I love Papa Smithy, I don't know if I would give him the uh, credit solely for this change. I feel like it's been going on for a long time and kind of building more and more, uh, especially ever since franchising happened. Um and organizations in general, just like a more top-down structure. Uh, so I feel like it's been been going on for a little while. The thing I find really interesting about this take is that I know some players in the scene feel like it has gone too far in this direction. Um, and I think you Medios can probably... being even, one of them, based off a tweet I saw last night. Yeah, I was going to say, based off Medios' tweet about how <laughs> he was... He seemed to say that like the team wasn't even consulted about this decision. It felt like it came from the higher-ups, not the opinions of his teammates. Uh, I do think it's an overall interesting conversation to have about, you know, like what does G2 look like? What does TSM look like? Does there need to be a a prescriptive thing that every team does or can it be organization by organization and and those kinds of things? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Papa Smithy, what do you you think of this um, whenever you're hearing this and and your perspective as a GM? I kind of agree with Mark in terms of like, there are a lot of different successful orgs that are built in different ways. Like the joke about G2 was that Perks was the GM, right? And obviously all the rumors about how the rosters came together in years past. And if you make a roster like that, doing great. <laughs> um, I think when it comes to core pieces of your roster, like Bjergsen at TSM, I mean, obviously now there's equity involved, so it's slightly different. But even before the equity was a consideration, 
you probably want to run the moves by him. There's probably something to learn there. Um, but when it comes to players running rosters kind of like they didn't, I guess, five, six years ago, like infancy of LCS, the issue there becomes is that the information, like the, the players will always focus on certain snapshots and they'll always be kind of colored from the competition aspect and being, you know, being in the trenches, I guess, is one way to say it. Um, whereas theoretically, the GM is, is zoomed out enough to try to make informed moves. And as, you know, people would have taken from the last dance, you also kind of have to make moves about where your team's going, where your team is, and judging what the right move is at the right time. I think C9 has been really good at, you know, when they released Impact or when they released Jensen, like they made like, you know, educated guesses and then Svenskara in the past off season where they were able to judge really well what they had in hand um, in order to decide what to let go. And that's obviously the sort of kind of like people planning, future planning stuff that as a player, it's always optimizing for the next victory, whether it's the next trade victory, the next game victory, the next championship. Um, so I think it's natural that it goes this way when the sums of money we're talking about are involved. But if you have a team that's always already working really, really well based off player relationships and you have core pieces with big says, I'm not going to tell you what's wrong because I think there's great examples that show it can definitely still work. Uh, Hunter from Golden Guardians in the chat says there's player-run teams, owner-run teams, and very, very few GM-run teams, but all three exist. Do you think True. that that's a fair assessment? Definitely. Yeah. Um. So, well, now I have a follow-up. Would you? What would you classify Hundred Thieves as? Um, and I'm sure there's like you know leeway between all three as well. You know, it's more of a spectrum than like just one. But where, what do you think like Hundred Thieves falls most under? I feel like I, I have my, a guess, but I think people don't really know what a general manager is, and because it's not necessarily created equally at all orcs, um, the GM role can encompass many different things. I would say that like people obviously know of me um, or know me from casting, and they're like, how do I work out whether he's doing a good or bad job? Like, is it if they had a good draft on the weekend? Because he used to talk about draft. Is it if I agree with his roster decisions? Is it there? Is the LCS team's finish, you know, my kind of core competency? And the answer is, like, all of it is, is kind of a yes and no. But the big picture is, is like, what does 100 Thieves League of Legends, which obviously encompasses LCS, Academy, and Next, look like, you know, as a snapshot every 6 to 12 months? And is it moving in a direction that you can identify and in any way is, like, judge? Like, is it, uh, you know, developing and cultivating talent? Is it winning championships? Is it appreciably better or worse than it was a year ago? Is kind of where the GM is. But to zoom in on your question, um, I made it very clear when I joined that, it was either me running the whole show, I wasn't interested. Um, and they've given me pretty much carte blanche to do whatever I want. That doesn't mean that we pick Aatrox because Bob Smithy wants it. Um, <laughs> and I hate the champion karma, and yet we'll probably end up picking it at some point. But when it comes to what we're about and what we stand for, you know, outside of certain things, in general, that's going to be kind of my direction, I guess. And then... Um... I guess this is a, a chance to talk about it if you want. Like, did you guys, when you were looking into the changes that you're going to try and make, was there like asking player input? Did you like, you know, hey, Ryoma, what do you think the problems are on the team? Who do you think would, you know, who would you swap out? Like, what level of, of communication, like, what kind of things did you guys talk about with the entire team? 
So obviously you have kind of check-ins with players and if they want to volunteer something, like you, you take it and you try to treat it with respect. Um, you don't like, you know, hear one person shit talking another and then tell the other player, by the way, this guy said that. Like, <laughs> that's just like scumbag. Um, but I think in general, if you can isolate players from direct roster input, it's really, really good for the players because it's such a burden for them to have to think was either reason this happened um, and focus on more than just their own performance because there's so many variables going on. There's social dynamics, power dynamics, playstyle things. Um, I'm not interested in like my players playing games and I haven't had that experience at all, but I think it's definitely behooves the players to obviously listen if people want to talk, but try to make an informed decision because we're supposed to be the people who are zoomed out of you know, where this whole process is going. Their job is to play good on the weekend or play good on the scrims. So I, I don't think that asking the players about roster changes, because the other thing is like, the stories you hear is like, this player was promised that this player would join the off season and then they didn't join. And then that player's tilted for the whole season because they were led to believe that something's going to happen. Like at that point, don't, you know, at that point, it's, an, it's the GM tanking the team by promising something they couldn't deliver. So. I think a certain amount of separation has to be there. And I think it helps both sides because it allows you to evaluate both the, the management side and also the players on their core competencies. Uh, Fez, any, uh, any additional thoughts on, on this or follow-ups? Uh, so I, I really wanted to ask Papa, from being a, a caster to going to being a GM, mm -hmm. you worked in the Korean scene, obviously. There was a lot of very talented players there very big heads uh, to a certain extent. Is there a big difference coming here to NA and kind of seeing the GM spot and seeing how the teams were run as far as your experience? So obviously there was a degree of separation in Korea, right? Because of the language barrier. Um, and if I see players at the studio, they're going to put their best foot forward. They're going to be nervous because they don't speak English or they're going to be, you know, they've already got their makeup on. They're already, you know, in the, in the game mode. So like when it comes to like having you know, being around orgs, the only org I really ever was pretty close with was Cloud9, um, and to a certain degree, G2 as well. Um, I did some consulting with Cloud9 a few off-seasons. The Reaper story is pretty famous one of recommending him. Um, I looked at some of their roster changes or when they ran like six, seven-man rosters and gave them advice. Um, and then G2, just like meeting them and kind of watching them scrim and stuff. So when it comes to how teams worked, I thought I knew a lot of that, and some of it's pretty self-evident, or you pick up through content or logic, but the minutiae of what does a week look like was definitely a learning, for sure. Um, and I know people have kind of made their minds up about North American pros and North America, and effort is like the big thing that always people talk about, like lazy players and this sort of idea, but I'm surrounded by people putting in hundreds of games on and off stage, so... I guess I don't have the same POV that people come away with. Hey, uh, Fez, thank you so much for the call. Is there anything that you want to say before we move on to the next caller? Yeah, Papa, I will shut up about Rayoma now. He's slowly proving me wrong, so I'll stop, you know, <laughs> the server. Step by step. Yep. Thanks, thanks so much, Fez. <laughs> hey, we're going to take a real quick break uh, to talk about our sponsor, Alienware. Loading up their page right now, alienware.com slash Travis. Go check it out. There's a, a nice picture of me up at the top and then an, a video where I really should update the thumbnail on it because it is uh, 
<clears throat> lackluster. Anyway, uh, you go check it out. We we showcase. Uh, it's a custom page in which we showcase a lot of the hardware that uh, we use here. In fact, we did that survey last week, and I really appreciate people providing feedback because one of the things I heard from you guys is that you love to ha- hear me talk more about the specific products uh, themselves. And I think heading over to Alienware.com slash Travis is a perfect example of where we've been able to talk about the specific products that we have used. And not all of these, um, or it doesn't showcase all of them. We're going to try to update and add more of that to that. But, you know, the Area 51M that we've used for our live broadcasts and the uh, Alienware Aurora that I'm using right now to stream this, the 34-inch curved gaming monitor that I'm using right now so that I can have a bunch of different information on my my screen. You can go check all that out. It's uh, it's really cool to see what um, we've been able to do with them. Travis 10 off Q2 is the code that you will want to use in order to save 10% on your purchase uh, from Alienware. And I really appreciate everybody uh, checking that out. A lot of people have been tweeting me lately saying, hey, I got this monitor. Hey, I got this computer. I used your code. And it's been really cool to just hear all of that uh, from everybody. So either way, thank you to uh, Alienware for their support of the show. Thank you all for, for checking them out. There's a link in the description if you guys want to uh, to do that. And now I'm going to pull this page down and hopefully Papa Smithy comes back because his webcam disappeared. Uh, he should be back shortly. Either way, thank you. Alien- He's back. Thank you, Alienware, for your support of the show. We're sponsored by NZXT, so you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I understand why you hit. Anyway, uh, we've got a, another caller coming up in just a second. I hope it's three out of three, Mark. Keep it up. Mark, you muted. Well, yeah, sorry. We'll, we'll see. I forget what I, I actually, I start to forget what I pulled. It's been so long. Thank you, uh, Dar Zombie, for the 10 months. X Solvark for the five subs. And also for gifting one yourself or for giving, resubbing yourself. 08501337. America Vespucci. Big White Goon. Soul Clam. Claims? Solstices? Solstices. 28. Always fun having to figure out how to pronounce these. Bodies by Bert, who uh, said, going uh, going strong on my Alienware M15. Shout out to Alienware. Thank you. Annie Grimm, 13 months. Smoke Dog. I'm Elvis 4. Still waiting on Mark. Sorry, I'm still reading these while we're waiting for him. Aldor. He's just screening for the next person to butter me up. It's great. There we go. Okay, well, let's see if this how this one goes. Crew 1988, where are you calling from? Stockton, California. Stockton. Okay. Wait, this is like Central California, right? Yeah, Northern Central. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, what do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, why Ryoma would have been the better pick to swap out over Medios being the end game leader and how it's going to negatively affect the team overall and their season and their whole split. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Spice uh, had to come eventually. The main reason I see it, Ryoma was kind of useless last split because he could never, ever, ever beat Zoe. I would scream. Like, I'm a 100 Thieves fan. I have all three teams' jerseys. But Ryoma didn't. Thank you for your yeah, Oh, no, I do. I love you guys. But Ryoma just doesn't put enough effort to where he's winning. Maybe he does something better for you guys during practice, during scrims. We don't get to see that. You guys get to judge that. But from what we've all seen, last split, he lost every game to Zoe almost. Most of the matches you guys should have won against C9, against TSM, was because of Zoe, not because of anybody else's team ways, how they played. He just could never beat her. I mean, I've never seen someone eat so many bubbles in a game. This split is, he's doing a little bit better, I do agree. 
his game with uh, Oriana and Azir were good. But overall, he didn't try to help anybody. Went up with the ganks on Medios. He left Medios. Medios died, and you guys proceeded to lose from there. I just feel overall you guys are going to lose more now because you have Contracts, who's a good game player, but he is not a leader at all. You lost an aspect of your team to where now you're going to rely on nothing but rookies and someday who's a god, but he is not... He doesn't speak English super well. He's never been an in-game leader. And even though he's carrying like he usually can do, it's just going to be a more of a tragic end for your guys' season. Mark, before Papa Smithy charges in, uh, what what is your take on Ryoma right now, just so that we can have a, a third-party take on him as a player? Um, it's a little hard for me to know exactly where he's at because I think when the season started, in uh, spring split, excuse me, uh, I was negative on him like everyone else and he didn't really impress right at the beginning and over the course of the split as 100 Thieves started improving he didn't seem like a liability anymore he was doing well I you know whether or not you still think he should be being played over North American talent or something like that's totally different you know argument to make he was not too far I would still probably put him in the bottom half of the the LCS mids but not like oh my god this guy is a sieve and he's just getting destroyed in the mid lane or anything like that um so I thought he was improving and showing all the stuff that Papa was talking about and why they would have wanted to play him and improvements and all this stuff. And so going to summer, I was looking forward to seeing more of that. And it's not like it went away, but I think the mid-jungle synergy for 100 Thieves has been pr pretty terrible. <laughs> um, and so it makes it now hard to judge. Is Ryoma regressing? Is it their team strategy because they're mostly sticking them on control mages. Is that a team decision? Is that his champion pool being limited? Mm -hmm. um, and then also is this uh, a partially due to Meteos and him maybe not working well together? So I have not been impressed by Ryoma this split. I think his stats have been okay. Um, he is playing. Die again. What's that? My cam might be dying again. No, no, no. no I think it's oh. okay. Um, so yeah, personally, it's it's a little hard for me to judge. I haven't been as impressed this split as I was at the end of last split, but the whole team is not playing well. Like I would say the same thing about someday. I'm not nearly as impressed by someday this split as I was last split. Um, so I, I that's where I'm at. I'm still waiting for a little bit more, and especially with a new jungler, uh, seeing how they work together. Okay, Papa Smithy, let's go. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is based on available info. While I, I disagree with some of the inferences, like I can see how those conclusions are, are reached, right? And I think that there is definitely truth in in some of our weaknesses. For example, the the homework for the off season was for Ryoma and Medios to do more um, and like just do a lot of work to work on um, mid jungle synergy because it was something that in spring we largely played away from mid. Um, I just kind of evolved into that, and you can draw your inferences as to why. Um, it's always a mixture of factors. And so in the offseason, they do it a lot. Medios was in Challenger. Um, Ryom has been the highest ranked mid in solo queue for like better part of two months. Um, so like they trained down the house and things were looking really, really good um, in early scrims. And then the moment stage comes around, there definitely has continued to be some desyncs there. And I think it's fair to say that there definitely is still teething issues. And I think, I mean, I'll ask Mark a question. Like, if you look back on spring, what's your power ranking of Ryoma for mids? Because I think there was one like halfway through the split. Um, like, where would you have him roughly? I know this is like obviously 
thinking about it, but at the end, sure. Yeah, at, at the end, I would probably have had him around seventh. I thought sure. he was better than Aka. I thought he was better than Froggen. I thought he was better than... Oh, boy, you're going to... That, that's I mean, a I mean, controversial take. I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying it's... Don't Ryo, derail me, dude. Frog and let's, let's continue, keep it focused. Continue, continue. Uh, I think I might have had him uh, around Golden Glute. I remember we did the mid-split one. I had Golden Glute 6, but I think I might have dropped him a little bit from there, but I don't remember. Is there another mid? I'm fr- oh, well, obviously better than Crown and probably better than Pobelter for that split and how things were going. Mm-hmm. So and I, I, I think it would have been around 6. And I had him at 6th, personally, um, mm-hmm. You know, when I did my rankings afterwards, because I still rank all the players just to kind of understand where we are. And... I feel like just that is enough for people like failed experiment and uh, like have big hot takes and, and talk about the power of import spots and, and things like that. But at the end of the day, um, the mid pool that I had open to me in the off season wasn't massive, um, and there were definitely players that went unsigned that people will will point to and things like that. And I, I'm not interested about talking about why I didn't sign players. Like I don't think that's correct like i don't want to ever reduce someone's chance of getting signed or anything like that i prefer to talk about why i signed the players i do i looked at ryomo and i was like this is a player coming from definitely a less developed region um we look at his play in a vacuum and we like a lot of what we see and we see upside in it we like his communication and what he can bring um and i think i had it at sixth in the spring season and like hoping that in, in a high roll sense, it would get up there, you know, top three, top four in summer. Um, and obviously summer's not over, so we can't fully judge that. But like, that's, that's what I was predicting when I was looking at what I hoped this player could be. I wasn't living in any fantasy land about, you know, coming in and stomping or anything like that. And I feel like just the fact that he's an import makes people say like, that's the wrong use of an import spot. But that's, I think stuff like that is so weird. Um, that people kind of think about things that way. And in general, what we see in practice and what we see in solo queue has never really reached the stage in the way we would want to. I think towards the end of spring, we were seeing it. And then he had a really poor week one of summer. But since then, regardless of results, I think overall his contribution has been strong. So it's honestly on him to keep building. Like we don't see him as a finished product by any means. Um, and there's obviously no guarantees about anything in the future when it comes to Ryoma. But if you look at your 20 scrims and your solo queue and how hard they're working and you make your inferences about a player, I think that wealth of information outweighs stage games to a point. But over time and over the course of a year, Obviously, stage games are going to become more and more important in that calculation. And he knows that for summer. Like, he knows he has to perform on the stage. And, you know, I have my confidence. I enjoy working with him. But he's going to be judged by his output in summer. And we'll go from there. I mean, yeah. Mar- Mark, you and I on the show, I think I saw LS in the chat earlier. And we, we had a conversation about this with him. But we've had it elsewhere, too. Is like, people do seem to think that import slots should be... It's it's very funny because you, you you hear a lot of different things. You hear people say you should find a really strong player in that role. Then you hear people say, oh, you brought over this really strong player who won a world championship. They're just retiring. Uh, <laughs> like, they're not here to win. They're just here to collect a paycheck. Why don't we just, like, be plain? Like, North America cannot draw 
talent like someday in 2017, like top three top player in the world comes to North America, it's not going to happen. Like at this yeah. point, North America has lost a lot of its draw when it comes to attracting talent. For a long time, it was money, right? There was a lot more money in North America than there were in other scenes. To some degree, that's still true, but relatively, it's not true to the same extent anymore. Franchising in Korea is going to only increase salaries, and salaries are already improving there. Um, Europe, obviously, is not the same pay packets, but it's getting to the point where the idea of leaving home and things like that becomes less attractive to come to North America. North America has its share of issues, of course. We have a, a like giant coronavirus uh, situation here your, right your now. Your words, not mine. Um, <laughs> and, you know, in the offseason, obviously you go to the teams and say, hello, can I please have your star player? And they mostly say no. And then <laughs> the next step is you try to convince the player who has offers in Europe or offers in um, other regions, like come to North America instead. And with a, you know, at the time, ninth, 10th placed North American team with a GM that was a pretty good caster. And why, why are they coming to my team, right? Like, I don't have the runs to show. They've heard the stories about North American solo queue and that had multiple players tell me, I can't come because from what I hear, the solo queue is going to make us worse. I, I'm going to become a worse player from playing in solo queue there it's going to hurt my development. And these are all the factors when you're trying to attract talent. And when they say things like that, I can't be like, no, the solo queue is great. Because, uh, you know, <laughs> it's not. Um, and if they tell me, oh, yeah, I'd love to join. Please give me all of the money. Is that the player I want? Not, not particularly. So what actually getting the talent you want, like motivated, has something to prove, um, will come in and work hard and has all of the talent. And it's kind of a... Not necessarily like a complete piece, because then, of course, you get into the allegations of like, you know, retirement home. But when it comes to the point where it's like this player is like ready to peak, like I would say Niski, for example, when he came back from Splice, like that's that's a player where you know he's kind of fourth, third best mid in, in Europe at that time. And you're picking up definitely while he's still um, on the upswing. Like that's a really great pickup. But that was you know, even now, like two years ago. I think getting a player of that level for a North American team, short of you know a top one team in North America, it's just not going to happen. And and yeah. based off the the recent MVP wins, it would tell you that Niski is not uh, you know he's mostly carried by his jungler. Go ahead, Mark. Hilarious. You're grouchy uh, <laughs> on your birthday. Continue. <laughs> it's my birthday, and you cut me off. Go to make a C tier joke. Uh, I was going to say I think a big thing too for me is just being like not making sweeping statements about what's a, you know, a good use of an import slot on like a specific person because of another person or something. Um, like there probably are some players, you know, like Papa's talking about who are coming and it's what is available to them. You know, like their options have been drying up in other spots and this is now where they can get the most money and it's better than what their other options were. Sure. That's not someone who is, you know, necessarily a great import and but just because that person exists doesn't mean that all you know european players who are in their prime or whatever or just had a bad split are now horrible like poe came over people meme the the hell out of him for mm -hmm. you know power of money and shit and it looked kind of <laughs> kind of sus for a little bit with with how optic was going but then he went to clg and did great and then he went to FlyQuest and got them to the finals um and like you know 
I think you can look at some of the younger people. Ryoma and Ika have been weirdly compared in my head this entire... Like, I don't know why people compare them directly. Like, Ryoma's in a minor region and has never... He's like, the question is, big fish, small pond? Or, like, you know, actually going to be really good? And we, he just needs the opportunity. Whereas if I look at Aika, at least he's been in Europe the whole time, you know? And he could have potentially broken through there. Ryoma's never had a chance to break through. And so it, it's one of those things where I, uh, people have weirdly compared them when their situations are totally different. Um, and I think, like, I, I, I can say I kind of like one and I don't really like the other option. And that's not to say that I think that they should be gone or anything. But just, like, that's one of those ones from this year that I'm like, why are people comparing these, these two players? Yes, they have both been pros for, like, a, how long was Ryama a pro for? Is it two or three years or I think something? It's three. Yeah. Three years. Yeah, so like, yes, he's been a pro for a little bit, but like, Niski was a pro for a while, to your point. He came to North America, back to Europe, back to North America, and he's finally peaking. So, um, you know, like, someone can improve in one environment, and the other one has been in a good environment the whole time or something. Like, as much as the problems we talk about North America solo queue, from what I understand from the Oceanic server, it's there's definitely, like, I know people who have gone over there from North America who were like, I mean, uh, low diamond and they get challenger. That happens. And then there's a lot of pros that pass through there. Shorter race was there. Um, Dokla was there. Yeah. Um, so uh, for sure. Um, and it's just this weird phenomenon where people, for some reason, always want me to convince them on Ryoma. Like that's always things like just convince me on him, you know, like, and it's like, that's what his play is supposed to do. And obviously, if you think that his play in LCS isn't up to your standard, you're absolutely entitled to your own opinion, for sure. It's just at the end of the day, we see what he does internally and hopes he gets there within a realistic time frame. And we will give him every single opportunity to try to shine. I know you've read this on stream before, Travis, You know that what I said about Bioma, where it's like, we evaluated this guy. We thought that he had the upside to really compete at the LCS level. And I accept the view that some people believe he still doesn't do that. Um, but in scrims and in practice and his attitude, he does. And so how much time he gets is always on, I guess, me. Like I'm the person that eventually will have to call time if I feel like he's no longer improving or no longer is he realistically going to get there. As I guess I made the call on a kind of starting five that feels like it peaked at the end of spring. Um, but we definitely see the evidence in practice um, and his solo queue habits and his attitude. But everyone's on a timer, including me, in this job. So all I can do is say that he was the option we liked the most. He still is that option. And what happens, happens. Drew, uh, uh, Twitch chat. Sorry, really quick. Oh, unless you had a thought real quick. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, crew, Twitch chat is saying that this is becoming a 100T apologist show. And uh, and so I want to give you a, a chance here to jump back in. I know we've gone a little off topic by making it broader <laughs> about Ryoma, but um, I don't know. Is any of this swaying you or giving you a different perspective? Well, the whole thing about what Papa's saying is he's trying to build him up and everything. We can just go and put that same aspect with NA talent. Look at Golden Glue. Everybody and their mother says, oh, yeah, he's the best scrim god he is, but he's never, ever proven it to be separated to be one of the best mid laners ever. And, yes, Ryoma's still young, and he's still building up on everything, but I hope Papa, for his sake and the team's sake, this needs to be looked at quite vigorously and quite quickly because he has been mediocre 
for the majority of his time being here. And I know I understand that he's new, but three months. Two, yeah, I know. When he's all last split too, though, he was mediocre. Yeah, but that last split was a three month long split. Is my point. I got and to be fair, they finished top three in the regular season, and like Papa said, had a close series versus TSM. So every game that wasn't Zoe, yeah. <laughs> but but I think you, the one thing that you can fight a little bit is like this idea that like Ryoma's really weak to Zoe, um, he, which I think is reducing our team played very poorly around Zoe. It's a very fair statement. Um, I'm not just talking about the Niski games where he ran around and killed everyone. That was definitely <laughs> our mid laner getting roamed on and getting, like that was absolutely some mid diff going on there. And that Ryoma would say that himself. Um, but I think as a, as a whole, we definitely were susceptible to that champion in that it wasn't like the Zoe was just killing, solo killing mid lane, right? It was that the Zoe was roaming and on every roam, someone was eating a bubble and dying. That's a fair criticism. It's definitely something we looked at and we were like, do we really have to ban Zoe? That's awkward. We don't have any extra bans to do that. Um, <laughs> but uh, like when it comes to like the, the 1v1, like I don't think Zoe's kind of the same factor there. And we've been better against it recently, but uh, you definitely have bogey champions, right? That's for sure. Uh, so one thing I'll say too is like you can be disappointed in Ryoma and the crew and say like, I don't think he's going to work out. I don't want him on the team, but that doesn't mean in summer there's a good alternative. Um, you can say maybe oh they should have got Demonte, but they had just finished pretty highly, so maybe they want to keep running with Ryoma. At this point, you know Saligo, we've seen him before, not super impressive. Yes, he's North American talent. I think I think I want to cut you off a little bit. I think people really. Decided on Saligo super early. Like they decided on Saligo last year in a bad situation. And then he, I guess that he's relegated forever because now he's a meme for not performing and not having an LCS win. What I'll say is watch his, watch his academy games and watch them closely because he has actually built a lot in his time in academy and he's grown up a lot. He came in very, very quiet. Um, and I think that's something that hurts. I kind of like how Anda had that reputation of not, not being a great communicator. Um, and I think he is developing a lot. Does that mean he's going to get another chance? Maybe not because of just how poor the first one went. But I think Saligo's for sure a good player. And that's not just me bigging up my you know, academy mid laner. Yeah, and I don't mean that he's... I don't mean to say he's trash forever either. I just mean that in the context of this split, like that's the one swap you can really look mm -hmm. at, Sligo or him. And I don't think it's clear cut that Sligo deserves a spot over Ryoma based off performance. Ryoma, when you look at his stats on a one in five team, they're okay. I think you can say he's playing control majors that are relatively safe, but you know his CSD is not bad. It's it's negative one point five, which isn't incredible or great or great or terrible, excuse me. Uh, but he has the second highest forward percentage. Uh, this document has not been updated for this weekend, so I'll have to see how much that changes. You know, it's a small sample size right now, but he would be third in the league for forward percent coming into the week. He doesn't get a ton of jungle help. He'd be seventh, I think, for jungle proximity difference. Um, so, like, he's someone who seems to just be doing okay. He's first in DPM, obviously, once again, playing a lot of control mages. So when we talk about the fact that they're a one-in-five team, I don't think Ryoma had been even the second worst player on the team uh, in terms of performance so far this split. Like, uh, the caller was talking about replacing Ryoma versus some of these other things. I think there are people who have been playing worse, and I think it's very understandable for why these were the two roster moves that 100 Thieves made. 
And by the way, Mark, I keep a more updated spreadsheet, and I can tell you that after this weekend, he's second now in FWD. So, uh, crew, one question I have for you though, um, mm-hmm. but and we've we have to wrap really quickly because um, yeah, 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 we've been talking for a long time. But uh, how long do you think a player should get? Because because that like the golden glue, and I don't want to harp on this because I, I know it's just in passing, but the golden glue Ryoma thing is. Not a great comparison, given the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm just curious, you know, like, given Ryoma had, had three months, a split that was really weird, where people were, like, transitioning to home, situation, all that stuff, like, how long would you give a player if you were a GM? Uh, for Papa's sake, I would probably look at the rest of summer and have to question it, but just like you guys have all said, there's not a big pool for them to go and grab somebody to throw them into the whole mix. Because you need, if you want to get an import, you have to have somebody that can actually communicate with everybody. Right now, the communication is fine for the language barrier, but it is not fine for their actual playability and how Medios and everybody are playing together. Medios has had no attention to mid. I don't know if he doesn't trust Realm or trying to push it forward. But in the long run, I think after Contracts is here, Contracts is a way more aggressive player. He does go in all the time. He will go in and try to help mid out a lot, I believe he will anyways. So if this whole split still shows Ryoma being okay and not carrying some hard games with contracts help, it'd be a good time to look at somebody else and see who would be more valuable overall. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks so much for the call. Anything you want to say as we move on to the next caller? I appreciate the time. Thank you, Papa and everybody. Again, I love the team, Papa. I have, I've got plenty of guys of stuff. Uh, for the meme though, for the meme though, I think you guys need to put Sneaky on the uh, Academy League team. That mm. way, you can the product you guys could sell just off Sneaky and Medios would bring the company tenfold even more. <laughs> bring, bring high well, let's crowdfund that. I don't yeah. got the money for that. <laughs> Have a good one, crew. Everyone donates to you. Sneaky with the message: Join Hundred Thieves. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. I think that's tampering, Mark. Um, we got we got another color coming up here in just a second. Are you talking? But did you want to do a uh, ad break first? There's we only we uh we only we only did the only ad break we have for this episode, Mark. Oh, we're, we're pop not a baby. Let's do it. We're not popular. Okay. Uh, no, we uh we're gonna do some sub stuff. Okay. Uh, Aldor, thank you. Oh, get nice. State Farm analyst, thank you. Uh, Shilly. So Black. my take is about how uh NA. They place way too much value on things like experience and brand name, which can actually be bad for teams and the league. I mean, because if a player gets bad experience and develops bad habits, it can actually be bad for the team's play style. They can be too rigid. The player's value gets too high. Brand value gets too high. They can like start playing themselves above the team and stuff. And I think that something that would benefit NA greatly is more programs like 100 Thieves Next that Papa has been getting going to develop more young talent. And another thing that NA doesn't really keep in mind is that it can actually develop uh, younger players into having someone with value. Like, I'm someone that watches the LDL, the uh, Chinese Secondary League, a lot. And every year, there's at least like five to ten talents that come in to the league and immediately become big stars that you can market around. 
So, so Pal- Palpatode, uh, welcome to the show. I didn't get a chance to introduce you, uh, which <laughs> yeah. I, I know Twitch chat thought Mark was was laughing at your take. We were no, we were I was not at, laughing at his take. I uh, we were reading. Like... We were. I was reading subs. Normally, I introduce you to the show, but you you went head first in, which I appreciate. He knows this is... My bad. My bad. No, no it okay. was so funny, dude. I loved it, and then just seeing Twitch chat's reaction just sent me over the edge. It was so funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so Palpatode, welcome to the show. Thank you for sharing your take. Where are you calling from? Yeah. Where Where are you calling from? Uh, I, I'm calling from Edmonton, Canada. Okay, Canada. Um, okay, what? Sorry, one more time. Can you just in like a se- a single sentence give me the the short version of your take? Because I was a little distracted. Uh, yeah, well. basically, NA puts too much emphasis on things like experience and brand value, which you can uh, get by developing young players instead. Would you say that 100T is guilty of that? No, no. I, I said what 100 Thieves Next is doing is kind of similar to what I think any should be doing with every org. But with their LCS team, do you think that they are putting too much value on experience? And uh, I think with the Meteos roster, I would say yes. But I, I do like that they're giving... Um, what, what's the name of the new support again? Poom. Yeah, yeah Poom. I, I do like that they're giving him a shot. Is it really Poom or is it Poomy? Poom. Poom. Okay. I'm glad we got that verified. Okay, so... I did tell him to name change, to be fair. I was like, come on. I was going to say, just cut the E off. It's the same phonetics. He's thinking about it. He's thinking about that. It's a French-Canadian thing. I don't know. It sounds about right. Uh, All right. So... uh, We'll just go with you, Papa Smithy. So do you think that in North America, people are too obsessed with, like, legacy and that type of stuff so it's a, it's a complicated question right what i will say is that i sometimes look at academy rosters and don't really understand what they're doing with their academy roster in terms of like the spirit of what academy should be um can you give me an, an example no um <laughs> but i think I you think know you what guys, i mean you know <laughs> yeah. what i mean um and it's so easy to trumpet next purely because no one else is doing what we're doing. But what I, um, what I took from that was it was so easy to make next. It, it wasn't hard. Like, it's not like I was scouring diamond one for like one tricks that could be good. Like there's just so many 16, 17 year old high school kids who couldn't play Academy or collegiate or LCS because they're in school who are like high challenger. And it's just like, I'll take those, please. And then now suddenly I have a lot of great young players. Um, So on the one hand, like pat on the back, what a genius I am. Um, And on the other hand, it wasn't hard. So I think that's the part that puzzles me is that there is a lot more NA talent than people know, mostly because a lot of academy rosters just seem to be recycling players that... I think at this point are very unlikely to ever be full-time full-time LCS players. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. I um, last offseason had a, a sh- we did a show on here once where I like talked about some of this stuff. It's about how many people are long time, and some of them like you know academy lifers. I think is what you're. Yeah, at. yeah, and like like you said, we talked earlier about how some of them haven't got their first shot in the LCS yet, but it feels like. Well, then give them that shot or don't, but stop. Like, you don't need to put them in academy for their, you know, eighth time or whatever it is. Um, 
And so I definitely agree on that level. I think there's some people in the LCS who haven't got it done in a long time. And they're probably still a, a level above some of this academy talent and some of the other people. So it can be probably tempting to go for them. But I, I don't admit to really seeing the point to it because like we were talking earlier in the show, you're either pushing for worlds and that's your goal for that year. Or, I mean, everyone's goal at probably the start of the year should be worlds, but like you can admit that like we're more talent, like talent uh, development focused this year or something. And, and some teams don't feel like they, they make that and they load up on talent that there's just like no way that this, this lineup was ever going to win. And then they, they don't actually commit to developing talent once that's made apparent through the first split of spring, which oh. is, is, yeah. I, I, but I don't know if that's brand value so much as like, ah, uh, we don't want to, we'll just do the thing because I've watched this guy for five years and I know what to, what to expect. So I, I generally want to think like, hey, we should be loading up our academy teams with all this, this hidden talent and, and you know, clearly EU is able to do some really cool stuff finding talent and, and their base. It's not a one-to-one compared to right. Europe. I, I ERLs and academy are so different. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't I don't mean to make it to one-to-one. It's just like my, my only, like... <laughs> Let's put it this way. With FlyQuest, they sub and mash. And I go, really? We're subbing and mash? Like, I remember interviewing this guy so long ago. I didn't, like... It's wild, but then he pops off, and people think he he did really well, um, in in his especially his first game, and I'm like, oh, I guess I can't, I guess I can't, you know, have have that opinion, um, or at least it's not as valid, and I, you know, I, th- so I think that that's one interesting take on it is like we do see sometimes people that have been academy lifers pop up and seem to be really good they don't seem to stick around for very long it's hard to think of somebody who was in academy for a very long time and then and then they showed up in lcs and suddenly they they carried hard um but i think that's one interesting thought and I, i'm curious to your guys' opinion on that the other thing is like i do think some people say like why do we have certain players like darshan in academy or whatever um but papa smithy is they're not a need to have like some veterans down there to help like level up the rookies that are, are on the team? I think it depends a lot on coaching staff, um, whether there's value there. I mean, Darshan is someone who I think will be a fantastic coach. So I'm sure he has huge value for Raz and, and the team in Golden Guardians Academy. And he's actually just been popping off in summer. So respect to him. He's actually been playing really well in the Academy League. I guess, to your point, if you're a contending org, with like a couple of pieces you're not that like married to, then having a similar level player who might have upside in academy, like maybe like a meta resistant player, maybe just someone stable when you have an, uh, a player that could pop off or, or feed in, in LCS is fine. Like I think if you're at a certain level, like having the piece under it be a competitive piece can be good. I guess the only thing sometimes I see is a team that's far away from contending and their pieces are at the same level in Academy, then it's just like, what is this org building to? Like, where is it going? Um, And that's the question I ask, because I know coming back to like my first pitch of what Under Thieves would be, people remember I talked about a development roster and then they see someday Medios, Cody, right? Like, and these are players who are not really traditionally development pieces. I think it's because 
obviously that video was made before I had signed any players. And at that point, given that we were, again, ninth, 10th base, uh, best North American org that had a pretty good rep in terms of like what we're about and the, the people in it. But in terms of league at the time, we had a lot left to be desired. I was realistic that we would have to try and build something and probably would be very weak roster coming in. And that, through signing Medios and retaining someday, we were able to build something that could contend early. But I feel like the people that just zoom in on the LCS right now and they're like one and five, you know, like they're not doing very well. I feel like I'm able to look at what we're building towards an academy and through next and kind of see the development clearly happening. And then the Poom story is one where he hasn't played yet. I don't want to put extra pressure on him, but he was an amateur player five months ago and now he's playing an LCS. And I think that's pretty fucking cool. So that's, cool. that's the sort of stories I want to write and that's the sort of org I want to build. Um, and that's why things like import spots open so I can import the best Korean player doesn't really interest me that much. It's more about where can I find talent that can grow to become something special. And you got to take bets, you know, multiple bets to actually have some of them pay off. Speaking of like that kind of talent development thing, one of the things I'm always like kind of sad about is it hardly ever feels like outside of cloud nine, there is like that young talent that shows up and pops off and even more like that org that gets a bunch of it and is suddenly really good and everyone's surprised. Like what has happened in Korea with Damwon and Griffin before them. Mm -hmm. And like it happens with so many Chinese teams. Like it's just like, oh my God, who are these guys? They weren't even here last split. Now they're killing it. Um, you know, so like, uh, uh, like, do you think that that is a North America problem in terms of like, we might not have the talent to do what these other regions are doing, or do you think it's like, we're just worse uh, infrastructure wise at finding, nurturing and, and getting those rosters or those players to succeed? I think North America's in a unique spot where you have Europe that has through the ERL and all the teams there and all the regions and size of server, like that level of competition at a secondary level, like I'm watching the Spanish league final and it's in a massive stadium with Ibai and like, you know, huge celebrities involved with the production. Like Academy is the polar opposite of that. And that's only, <laughs> that's literally one, you know, thread of one country yeah. in the ERL. So like, that's that Korea has a, you know, it's famous for having the highest um, percentage of ranked players. Um, and a history of esports, where which is you know since the StarCraft days, so that's hard to emulate. China has insanely massive player base, um, and multiple like every org has like five teams, like the thirteen-year-old team and stuff like that, and that's not going to happen here either. So we're very much in a pickle when it comes to what North America is or isn't, um, and I think it's kind of on the orgs to solidify a direction and, and stick to it. For sure, things are stacked against us in some ways, but I think from there, people haven't taken a long, hard look at what is our org and where are we going, more so than just is our roster containing this split, yes, no. And to be fair, when you have new owners coming in that want to win now, it's, you know, it's easy to see how that doesn't happen. But my hope is that some... Um, stability comes and obviously the talk about LCS being profitable next year and stuff. The hope is, is that 
with stability, we can start forging identities. And it'd be even better if every team had a different identity and were trying to compete to inform each other. Because it's, at, at its best, a franchise league should be 10 teams with their own competencies and their own areas they're pushing to be best in class in. And then you only share notes once a year and kind of understand what you can plan to be even better the next year. Yeah. Mark, just let it go. Okay, we don't we don't need that. No, I think uh, no, I think that's really well said, uh, Papa Smithy. I hey, uh, Palpatote, I want to get back to you really quickly because I know that we just sort of took your take and ran with it, which is I I think what we've been doing all night. But any any quick thoughts on anything that you've heard? Um, yeah. So I think that I want to bring up is that I think a lot of reasons that like any teams don't actually go for these like solo queue players and younger players that they're they're too focused on building a brand don't really understand the concept of getting a a player and developing that player's brand a, a dmo uh at one of the lpl teams has a trainee 15 years old who hit a korean challenger about a number one about a month ago and that player probably has more brand value than the players on the main roster itself if NA can like find like a young player like that that has all the hype coming into the league already, can greatly benefit a team's like, look image. I think it's. I, I think you got some. I know where you're coming from, and I think there are some specific North America issues where a people some teams just don't think about academy that much. So let's just focus on the LCS side. Is that you do have this scenario where teams that have these like ace pieces like Bjergsen or double lift, um, you know, classically and licorice and players like that, that are domestic and kind of dominant in their role. If you're a team that doesn't have one of those, you kind of just wish you had one, if you know what I mean, because it like makes roster building that much simpler. It brings fans, it brings players. They're already at a competitive level and a brand level that you're, you're like the fourth, fifth, sixth team, or you're a new org coming in and you're like, so even if we perfected it, we probably can't contend with those teams because they have the pieces we can't get. Do we just get some pieces that we know will get people to watch and hope it comes together? It's probably a lot more realistic to sell to shareholders than we're willing to tank multiple seasons in a row, but we have this development plan that only Cloud9 has ever succeeded with. Please trust us with your millions. Like, <laughs> yeah, That's just unfortunately a different pressure that I think um, other regions face. And it's on those orgs to challenge that, to break the mold, to do things there. But I understand how it doesn't happen because to make it happen requires a lot of trust and, and trust is at a premium sometimes, for sure. Palpatode, any, uh, any shout outs before we move on to our next caller? Um, not really. LPL uh, is going to win Worlds again and yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Thanks so much Old for the call. Thank you for having me. And happy birthday to Mark Z. Hey, hey thank you. First caller to actually wish him happy birthday. Thank you. It's going to go to his head. Uh, yeah. Hey, Tafo, if you're listening to the stream, I'll take you next. He has to unmute, unmute, though. Tafo, you yeah. have to unmute. Um, yeah, by the way, celebrating. let's all celebrate Mark's birthday together by subbing to the channel. Ahili, uh, sub for 20 months. Blossoms Boo, OPTSM fan. Quickle004, Vmars, Oyang Fang, 
And Tafo is here from CLG, one GM to another GM. How's it going, Tafo? It's going well. It's a good cozy week. Uh, how are you guys? <laughs> good. good. What, what makes it a cozy week? I mean, it's like warm, but not too warm. Oh, like the I'm... weather is specifically yeah. is what you were referring to. <laughs> okay. So uh, first off, congratulations on your four wins and uh, two losses. Uh, tied you. for Tied for second right now with half of the league. You could uh, forfeit the rest of your games and finish better than last split. Yes, yes. It's a great spot to be in. Yeah. I mean, I totally relate to Papa Smithy. Like, I feel like Biofrost made an interview saying, like, it feels like we reversed. And, like, I totally, like, it's such a short season with 18 games. You play a lot more scrim games. And, like, I felt like I was, like, trying to explain. Like, do you know the little frog from Warner Brothers that performs when no one else is looking and then the guy goes crazy? Like, that's how I felt explaining CLG. I'm like, we're actually not this bad. Like, we're actually a pretty good team. Like, you know, and I'd have the scrim results of us performing and then we go 3-15 and 15 and just like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> what is your... Where are you calling from, by the way, Tafo? Uh, I'm calling from my home. Okay. In Los, nice. Ange- Los Angeles, California. Yeah. Okay, so, so was that your... Was that why you called in mostly his, just to his take that he wrote take? was saying that uh, CLG is a bad team still wasn't that it that you guys <laughs> yeah. are overrated? No, it's, kind of, it's in a joke. So it's like, so CLG like is a bad team. They only beat bad teams, and I think the larger point I want to make is just like how you know League of Legends operates. Like you don't play a perfect game. Um, sometimes you know, especially in NA, it's about who makes less you mistakes. Need to go somewhere. And it's a perfect game. You're, you're muttering Papa Smithy, so it's very hard to hear you. But <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I was like, huh. <laughs> I heard him. Um, it's, you know, a lot of people will say like CLG only made, you know, won those games because the other team threw or make mistakes. I think part of League is making less mistakes. Like mistakes will happen throughout the game, whether it's like a minor lane phase issue, recalling too late or getting to an objective too late. And I think the other part of League is like punishing mistakes as they happen. Like I feel like even the top teams will make mistakes. And so I, it just seems weird. I know that, um, Mark, you wrote some comments of, of you know, <laughs> defending us, um, you know, giving your perspective. But I think, you know, it's important to realize, like, hey, like, part of being a good team is being able to punish other people's mistakes and making less mistakes than your opponent. You know, one of the reasons I think there's this feeling on broadcast that, like, we're still a little hesitant about CLG are these stats, which are not great. Um, their record is good. They can are clearly playing better than last split. We've been talking about individuals stepping up and this and that, but we have been hesitant about putting them in the same tier as some teams like FlyQuest and EG. And it basically comes down to, you know, a bit of eyeball slash stats test where these other teams that are still at four and two have better stats than this. You could argue have played better opponents, but even if you take out the quality of opponents, you know, argument, there are some of these things that make it seem to us like. They, they still have some stuff to prove, especially considering when you do take in the last split and like EG and FlyQuest were top two in playoffs or top three in playoffs, excuse me. And like, you know, it's one of those things where opinions will change if these things keep improving, if the win rate keeps up and if if these if early games start going better and objectives start uh, going in their favor earlier. Uh, and that's that's what we were talking about even off air was just like a team can be playing really great in scrims and have a good win record and still like more mistakes are happening on stage, which makes it harder for us to, to be, to see it the same way. And that's why to Tafo, I would ask, you know, you were talking about how like the three and 15 didn't do what you saw justice. And now you're saying the four and two, um, 
you know, results. Obviously, now the store, the, the, the score lines are there. What what differences are you seeing around that? Like, do you think are contributing to the wins that kind of like breaks this um, spot you were in between spring and summer? I, I mean, I think overall, like, I think you're you know experiencing it now is like the cohesion. Um, again, we played pull belter mid split and adjusting to a new player. There's a lot of little things that need to be communicated tendencies. Um, you know, what people like, how they think about, you know, buffs, how do they think about objective control? How do they think about, you know, like duo synergies like mid jungle? How do you play off of that? Um, you know, we, it's really hard to, you know, sub a player mid split and expect that everything's going to click. Um, and we started we did too. Like, yeah. Um, and, you know, I wish you guys the best of luck since we're not paying, playing you guys anytime soon, but, you know, there's a lot of growing pains. Um, um, you know, I think, you know, overall, let's say like, you know, you flip a coin, right? There's, you know, sequences where you flip tails like six times in a row, right? It was 50-50. I'm not saying that we were like 50-50 with like every team last split. I would say it's like 40-60 or 35-65, but, um, you know, that's how variance kind of works. You shoot the ball from a three, the three-point line and sometimes you go 0 for 12, sometimes you go 5 of 7, like... You want to maximize your percentages and let variants play out accordingly, but you know that's what best of ones and eighteen games get you. Yeah, I think uh, you know part of it too is like the entered like a, how do I put this? Like it always takes time for narrative to catch up. Mm. Sometimes, like if, for public opinion to change, because like you can have a great game that is absolutely just like 100% total domination, but people will not necessarily think, okay, this is now a dominant team or something, and mm -hmm. you string together they a number a of day. them. Yeah, exactly. That's what they'll say. They had a good day, uh, and they're not ready to believe that that's now your standard. And so, like, you know, if CLG keeps a 66% win rate throughout the year, then it will just be like, yeah, CLG's the top team now. But for, for a lot of people, you know, even outside broadcast, just public sentiment and stuff like that, you have to get like people w need to get proven wrong a certain amount before they they flip their stance on stuff. Yeah, and I think that's like pretty fair. Um, yeah. You know, overall, like, um, so I think overall, like, I think the broader conversation we have privately is, you know, like behind the scenes, we know more than you know what the public gets to see in that sample size, and so sometimes it's like kind of hard to be behind the scenes. And like, I think in Papa Smithy's position, like he knows way more, he's seen way more games. Like he's probably making decisions based on, you know, the whole spectrum of information he's seen. And sometimes it's hard to go against like the small curtain that's been unveiled versus what you see, what we see, you know, completely behind the curtain. Yeah. I think another thing that happens too is teams and people just naturally hear the things about them. And like, you know, if you're going to watch, if if C9 guys are watching Hotline League, they're watching for mostly them to talk about C9 mm -hmm. for the most part. And so, like, when we shit on FlyQuest when they were Team Snickers and when we shit on Immortals and we shit on Dignitas and, we, and then we shit on CLG, you know, the CLG people take that part and, and you know, focus more on, on the negative things being said about themselves. And it can become a little like, ah, you know, they're they're only shitting on us. And I think, you know... It, everyone catches it at some point. You know, we definitely got it plenty on when we were cursed back in the day and struggling and shit. Like every team gets it, uh, and we even finished top three a couple times and still got it. And we we're like, what the fuck? But that's just kind of how it goes. Is you remember when you were catching shit and you kind of forget that, like, oh, there's 
now like CLG is not catching shit. Maybe we haven't totally caught up. So like, hey, you guys deserve more credit than you're getting. But like, you know, it's not like uh, you, it was the only org that was struggling last split or this split that people are are memeing all over the place. And that I will say the the perfect game start did not do any favors for quickly adjusting people's opinions. Yeah. <laughs> that was like it's like oh that was it was a real feels bad start. Travis had a a pretty mean tweet. Did I? <laughs> yeah. You were talking about like, franchising with uh, CLG. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, that was, okay. I mean, Tafo, you're on. Um, and uh, awkward to say, but like, I've been critical of of the CLG organization, especially this year as a whole. And so I know that people took that tweet based off of that game. And obviously a lot of it was the reaction to that. But like, I mean, we don't have to get into it in this call, but obviously there are a lot of things that I would like to see the organization do differently around building a brand and all that stuff. So I I, I get that, you know, people probably took it as a, a verdict on the, the team yeah. and, and that was not entirely that. Although I mean, I, immediately following a perfect game, you know, it's kind of hard not to uh, to have something to say. Yeah, I totally understand that. And like, I don't like go home and go like, oh, yeah, like this is what Travis you know, said. <laughs> like, I just like, come on, be honest, sure? Tafo. <laughs> yeah, well, fine. I, I, a little bit, come on, it gets to you. Uh, but bit. like, I, I, it feels me, right? Like, you know, like my job, like this is one of the very highly visible jobs. You know, I coached Mango and that had its early, you know, tepid start where he <laughs> yeah. got drunk at events and finished 17th and I had to deal with that. But, you know, like for me, it's like, I want to prove these people wrong and like, I'm just going to show up and, you know, just do better. Like, so it's like a motivator, right? Like you tell me how much we suck. It's not like directly to like the faith thing. Like I'm going to go back and be like, okay, like what is like every little thing I can do to make the team better? Um, and that's like the mindset I take. So thank you, Travis, for actually motivating CLG to be even better. If that was your long con. Yes, exactly. That was, that was my long con. I'm also trying to motivate you guys to be better on the branding side, for instance. So I'm hope <laughs> I'm excited. Hopefully, hopefully, um, you know, with a, uh, and, and even just in, in transparency, parent org and all that stuff. So either way, um, trying to think if there's anything else before we, we move on, but, uh, Papa or, or Mark, am I missing anything? Love you, Tapa. Uh, Love no, you. I, I thought this was a good conversation. I liked it yeah. a lot. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, uh, Tafo. Anything you want to shout out before we move on to our final batch of callers? We'll have to go through them really quickly. Um, I'm just excited. Like, I think all the teams need to just keep pushing each other so that we can show up for Worlds. I think the better that every team is, the better results we'll get at Worlds. Very good. Well, hey, thanks so much uh, for the call, Tafo, and uh, looking forward to seeing CLG continue to show up throughout the next couple of games. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. See you, dude. Uh, so we lost like 15 minutes of showtime. Yeah. And I have three people, so I don't know what let's, you want let's to just do. do. Can we do five minutes each for these? Are you guys cool with an extra 15 minutes? Sure. Okay. All right. I'll make sure, we have to make sure they fly yeah, to all yeah, with yeah. them now. We'll go quick. We'll go quick. Uh, all right. So while we're doing that, some quick shout-outs to some subs. XX Acra, thank you for gifting the 10 subs. Fretful Winter, Scrapjack. Adranius5, Rylan123, Spar001, Walrus Carpenter, some good two, Thomas Hawk32, Green Marlow Guy, Beef Stews, T Punisher247, Gaming for the Weekend, or User Twitch, Narf051. Uh, Myrans is here. Myrans, sorry, we're running a little low on time. Uh, where are you calling from? I am calling from Prattville, Alabama. And uh, what do you want to talk about on the show tonight? 
so my take is that these roster changes for 100T. Oh. Oh. Gonna push oh, yeah, yeah. Roster changes yeah, for no, 100T. So, continue. Uh, first, let me say I'm a huge 100T fan. I love you, Papa. Keep love stacking them up. But uh, I don't think these roster changes, uh, specifically the medios to contracts change, is really going to change much. Um, I do agree, however, with the stunt change. I mean, because let's be honest, stunt was kind of running it down every game. Um, but I think the bigger issue at hand is that uh, a playstyle change needs to happen. I think, uh, one, I don't think you should ever give someday Orn or any other tank, for that matter. I think it's a sin to put him on a tank champion and not a 1v9 carry. I think you need to give someday his uh, 1v9 carry, keep Medios in the jungle for his shot calling, and don't have Ryoma play these Azirs, the hard, you know, hard scaling 1v9 champs. Give him the Galios, the TFs, give Medios, the Sejuanis, the Jarvins to pretty much just invest every single resource topside. Give uh, bot lane, you know, safe 2v2, and just let someday 1v9 like he does, as he's proven before. Uh, uh, Mark? So, I mean, we could do that, right? Like, absolutely, that's a thing that could be done, and someday is a great player. But that strategy works until it doesn't, and there's no plan B. Like, you can't just be a team that picks the sickest countertop. Like, you can't just keep, like, raising the arms race until you're, like, blind-picking vein top and stuff like that. Like, yeah, for sure. We obviously have to diversify in order to be a good team, um, rather than, like, a flash in the pan or a gimmick. Um, right, and the only the only reason I bring it up is just because it just seems like more times often than not, uh, he's pretty much left on an island by himself, and Rioma's getting the LeBlancs, the Azirs, basically the things that you know need the resources put into it. And I would just personally like to see more of that going towards something. And completely get that. It's just chicken and egg is something that LCS viewers don't really get to have that insight on, like. Why do we play this way? Like, there has to be a. Re it can't just be random, or we're watching too much LCK and stuff. Like, it's not like that. It's it's very much like scrim results, what you're aspiring towards, um, and also certain players' tendencies. Like you talked about, kind of medios on Java and Sejuani. Like, especially the Sejuani right is way out of meta, and trying to force champs like that back in, like, usually is a very short term thing. And then the one point that I'll I'll take a lot of umbrage with is I think someday is one of the top three tank players of all time. Like when I think of his champs, I think of Maokai Shen, um, are some of his biggest champs. Bruises like Renekton for sure, Nar and stuff like that. So I think that if all of our other pieces are where they need to be, um, and it's fair to call them out for not being or not performing on stage, but I think someday's a great tank player. Um, right, and I'm, I'm not. But if you argue that we it. can't win right now with tanks, you might be correct. But that's a us problem, not a not a someday problem. I don't think. Right, for I would I would just like to see him, you know, on like Fiora's, Jace's, you know, some of the current meta, you know, one v nine carries. Well, I, I wouldn't say don't hold your breath. There's going to be some fun stuff from someday. Of course, he always has the chance to pop off. But if that's all we're known for, like red side only uh, someday carries, like then I don't think we're going to Worlds. So we need more than that. Um, but it's nice to have in the back pocket for sure. Hey, thanks so much for the call. For sure. Is there uh, anything you want to say, any shouts before we move on to the next caller? Uh, yeah, I want to first shout out my wife, Savannah. Love you. Uh, shout out my boys, Steven and Josh. 
and a hashtag Poundtown cat for Kobe. <laughs> Thanks so much for the call. Uh, it's been a while. It's his uh, birthday, you know. It's Kobe's birthday. That's true. Happy birthday, Kobe. Mark and and Kobe freakishly on the same same day. All right, you want to grab the next caller? Yep. Okay. Uh, Moose Moose Coca game or GF? Uh, Tail is Panda the Jumbles. Math Geek seven two six two GM. P.S. Mendes, Raging Pianist, and Hollows Ol eight oh five. Hey, got our next caller here, Ham Senpai. Where are you calling from? The Bay Area, California. Bay Area. What do you want to talk about on the show? So my hot take is that and I'll preface this by saying that I worked for Optic as an analyst last year. Cool. Getting rid of Zab and Keaton is unironically the best thing that they've ever done, and also hands down the best thing that's happened in the league since the franchise you worked sorry you worked with them as a analyst i was a remote analyst did you know that mark when you pulled this call i did i knew he said he was a remote analyst and getting rid of them was good but i didn't know it was going to be that did did your did your stint there end well (laughs) (laughs) uh it kind of just ended so i worked very closely with croissant who left to go work for liquid so that was kind of the end of end of my work for them basically you know so so do you have any do you have any things you want to share (laughs) you see yeah i guess i guess why don't you i'm not looking for leaks but like you're basically like i guess these guys sucked but like we kind of need more than that yeah yeah no sure um so i didn't interact directly with Zab too much because yeah like the way optic was structured at the time was that we were each working in kind of partnerships but yeah i mean just like from my personal, I mean, you Twitch that can flame me, but my personal experience is that Zab, or opinion is Zab's a bad coach. And the only reason why Optic was good at all was because Croissant was hard carrying. Because he joined, I think, in 2018, spring. Um, and they started improving ever so slightly every season since then. And once he left, then it really, Zab got exposed as being like, uh-oh, you know, Zab doesn't really know what he's doing. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and, and can you mention Keaton as well? It's, it's, are you croissant? Quick question: Are you? Is I this was going to say, has anyone heard, seen this person and croissant in the same room? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not croissant. I'll, I'll say that much. That's what but. croissant would say. <laughs> but yeah, no, like, um, I think one of the reasons why TL is doing a lot better this split, I mean, marginally, is because croissant is is contributing a lot to the team, and they've talked about that in their in their podcasts and their videos. Like, Chad has spoken a lot about how helpful croissant is so yeah but i mean keaton at the same time like this is a guy who was leaking challenger scrim strats to other teams and somehow he ended up in this position where he's running a team it's just like you know this this is why this is good for the league because owners and higher-ups are now saying like oh like enough is enough we need to really crack down on like the, the sheer incompetence of it all yeah i, I want to be very careful here and just make sure that like People know that this is is your take. Um, and Personal take only. Personal things, that take you, only. things that you are yeah, alleging are not necessarily a... what we're alleging because so obviously you're making some some strong accusations. So what I'll say, I'll take the the other side of this since I don't think you you have a pretty strong opinion on one end. I'll go on the other end and I'll say that I talked with Zab a couple times in in off seasons, and I've I've talked about this before about like how hard it is to evaluate a roster on the outside. You were on the inside. So this is obviously me speaking on the outside. But um, when you don't know what budgets people have to get uh, to build their rosters and to to actually, you know, sign the talent that everyone's going after, especially in North America, where 
you know, there it's it's arguably more limited, um, just because so many other people are going for imports, and then the good North American talent uh, is ev- what everyone wants, you know. So, in that context, you know, Zab had a thirty nine percent win rate, around forty percent win rate. They almost qualify for playoffs. They had uh, some even record splits. None of that's incredible stuff. I'm not saying that's amazing, but. I don't think they ever had incredible rosters either. I think you can argue some of that is, you know, on the GM to put together a great roster and, and whatnot, but it's also about, um, you know, what their budgets are. Travis, you had, correct me if I'm wrong, cause you've done this more than I have, but like yeah. the win, the wins per cost. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where was immortals on that stuff? Um, I'm trying to see if I can, uh, you have a graphic you can yeah i don't, ha- I don't have it in front of me right now so i'd have to, to your go back point though uh, to mark's point while you load things up it's i uh, he's completely correct like obviously there's wildly different budgets in the lcs like optic versus team liquid i'm sure uh, and that space would have been like wildly different what i'll say is is that the performances they got the amount of wins they got for the amount they spent someone was doing a really great job there like there's definitely someone who was able to get a lot of value, and that person definitely should get an opportunity with more money to see if they can replicate the success. So I think in scenarios like that, I agree with Mark in that we can't really evaluate Zab's performance in a vacuum, but depending on the skills he picked up and and where he lands next, we at least have like one data point with a lot of context around it that either is gonna prove that he had some shrewd skills that he can turn into something, or that, like the caller is saying, that maybe he doesn't. Yeah, okay. I I guess we'll have to see how things go. I sorry, I I can't pull the YouTube video. Mark is I I I, I, I did it. Okay. So Optic was fifth, and Immortals, or no, excuse me, Optic was sixth, and Immortals was fifth in terms of number of wins per dollar. So like mid middle of the pack, essentially. So middle of the pack, yeah. Yeah. For twenty nineteen and. Or I guess 2018, 2019 is what they would be. I mean, the sense I get, and this is just like a theory, but you you kind of wonder that um, if perhaps those guys had a second chance whenever Immortals came in, because it's like you you kind of had like new management comes in, they don't really know what uh, everything was like previously, and and so they're like, okay, well, who knows what's up? Let's just give this a chance. And then maybe, you know, spring split was that chance. And that's why we ended up in, in the situation a couple of weeks into summer. So I don't know. Um, I know we're a little over time ham. So unfortunately we, we can't dive back in. It sounds like you have a lot of stuff that you, uh, you got on your mind about this. So, so no, I'm just here for the spicy clickbait takes, you know, yeah. to get the, get the views up, get the clicks up. Well, either way, thanks so much ham for the call. Anything you want to shout out as we move on to our final caller? Uh, if you want to like flame me, like I stream on Twitch, so you can come stop by my Twitch channel, I guess. Or, or if you want to talk about what's, like, what's strategy or anything channel? like that, uh, my Twitch channel is twitch.tv forward slash flying underscore ham. So, well, thank you so much for the call, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Yep. See ya. I'm surprised how few Twitch shoutouts we get. You know, it's kind of weird. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I guess maybe we just don't have as many streamers, but I think we have in the past, it's just not as many. Uh, Mark is grabbing our last caller last. right now. Labuda. Labuda's here. Labuda, you've been on before. Of course, yeah. But I think it's How been a doing? while, right? 
Yeah, I was uh, the the G two is the best team in the world. Uh, world's guy. Yeah. Uh, well, you were close. You were cl- anyway. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Oh, sorry. Remind me where you're calling from. Uh, Illinois. What do you want to talk about on the show? So um, I want to talk about TSM specifically. And um, <clears throat> I wanted to kind of give credit where credit's due, uh, especially to Reginald. It honestly amazes me that year after year, he can take these like amazingly talented rosters and just do fuck all with them, completely run them into the ground. What is them. going on tonight? I don't know, dude. Like... So I, isn't TSM still the winningest team of? Hold up, hold on. Let me North just, America, let me just, especially when you expand out beyond LCS. Let me let me explain my rationale here. So this doesn't just expand through league, right? He, the same thing happened with Counter Strike, where they their old Counter Strike team left them, and then the core ended up being the best team historically, right? Like Australia uh, is like one of the best Counter Strike teams historically. Then you come yeah. back to league, and you're like, all right, this is his game. Reginald should be able to do something with it. And they were pretty good, obviously, you know, domestically. Like, they were dominating domestically. Nothing internationally. Okay, fine. And they didn't have the talent. They came back domestically, changed some stuff up. And they just, I don't know what happened. Like, massively, Zven massively underperformed with that roster. And then he goes to Cloud9 and is like a god. Then you have the whole fiasco with, we're going to use Grig, we're going to use Acadian, we're going to use Grig, we're going to use Acadian. Playoffs come. Hey, by the way, let's go put in our um, academy roster guy for no reason, and then absolutely blow your world's chance. Like, they just—they look okay right now. But and then there was obviously the whole. I'm a Dardock fanboy too, so that just added another. You thing. don't say. That just added another little thing to the list, and it's just like I, I don't I I personally don't I don't understand how you can be a TSM fan when they disappoint year after year after year and have never done anything internationally. I just think Reggie's a terrible owner. I think Jack is like one of the best owners oh, out there, right up on the pedestal. And I don't know. I just I hate that organization. So I thought this was going to be me about. Tell how you really feel. <laughs> it's like I thought this was going to be about TSM right now, and then I'd be able to pick Papa's brain. You know, like of the four and two teams. I mean, I still think right now, like, what what is their big win? Like they beat EG. Cool. Like congratulations. But that. That's that's about it. Well, right? can, uh, hold on, can you mute? Because you're getting feedback a little bit. Oh, man, yeah, my bad. No problem. I mean, beating EG is basically as good of a win as you can get right now outside of beating C9. So, like, if beating EG isn't impressive, isn't not, isn't like this beating anyone impressive? So, obviously, I'm going to be biased, right? Because I just, I, I just flamed the entire, the entire life. But, they, they like, even throughout the games, like, they just haven't really looked. I mean, maybe it's still, they're still coming together and, like, trying to put stuff together. But personally, they just haven't looked that good. And I feel like this happens a lot with this team where they, like, look all right throughout the year. And then they get the playoffs and they just, a mental boom or something. Like, and, like, like, all those things I listed, like, if I was a big fan of that organization, like, what are you doing? Like, I just, I can't understand the thought process, I guess. My cat was jumping at the wall a second ago. It's okay. Uh, Papa, what do you think about... Labuda, can you mute whenever you're not talking? What do you think about TSM this split? I don't know if we want to tackle the legacy of TSM in the scope of a five-minute call. I think the one thing that you notice about TSM is they... that I never really understood is obviously a lot loaded with talent, right? A lot of established players um, and good talent all through 
Um, the thing that's always puzzled me about them is they're kind of like flavor of the week champ or like that they, they have lots of one-offs or lots of like, I'm testing this champion for stage, playing it on stage, it didn't work, so now we'll never play it again stuff, which I guess to me doesn't really make sense because they should be a strong team fundamentally. They have really solid players, and I feel like if they try were more standard, kind of like they were accused of being in like 2016, 2017, I think they would find more success from it. So I guess to me, I'm always puzzled by them in that, they always feel like they should be better than they truly are. It's like a Schrodinger's box situation. So I guess I'm just a Schrodinger's cat, sorry. So it's like, a, yeah, it's both work. Technically. Yeah, yeah. He, he had the box and the cat. He yeah, put yeah, the cat yeah, in yeah, the yeah. box. So I, that's the part that puzzles me is, but I do get why the fandom pers persists. Um, and it's because, A, you have people who've been there from the start, but I think more importantly, like, don't you have to tune in to work out whether they have their shit together this week? Like, you gotta watch it, because what if you miss the game where it all comes together and Doublelift and Bjergsen and Biofrost flying everywhere doing all the big plays? Like, you can't miss that. You gotta be there. It's appointment watching. So it's a compelling story, even if it does feel like the consistency is all over the place. Yeah. yeah. I mean, their decline has been definitely perplexing. Um, but it's not like they've become suddenly a garbage trash team you know like even this which is the, the lowest and the biggest downfall they've ever had it's still you know to put it in perspective better than golden guardians has ever had in their inception like their history same with optic and immortals and some some teams you know like it's definitely a fall from grace but their lowest finish was tied for like golden guardians highest i believe I so i guess the kind of the thing to decouple there mark though is because they've always had Bjerg and have often had right. uh, yeah, Doublelift, which is more disappointing or like which is worse is kind of a very interesting question where like the team that never had the like amazing piece could never break into like the upper echelon or the team that had it, all the advantages never got there. Well, obviously never is a you know relative time period, but I think the TSM has been set up to succeed for a long time. So I think fans should be disappointed with the fact they haven't taken down the big one for summer they make a big roster change they bring in a big um you know player with a very defined opinion on the game and a very defined take the fact that they're four and two while they're for sure still working their shit out means that when they really get there which arguably you can argue whether they do or not like we did in spring but um the sky's the limit so they should be definitely a team to your point earlier that is defined on do they win or do they not? And not is a disappointment. Well, we'll have to see how things go um, in the coming weeks. But I mean, I, I almost hate that we we have to end the show on this call because obviously, like, this is the spicy TSM call that I did not necessarily expect to get in a a generally um, hundred thieves and and system focused show. But anyway, thanks, Labuda. Any shout outs before we uh, close out the show? Yeah, just shout out Papa Smithy. He honestly encapsulated my point. Really, obviously, I was just going for the flame. He actually did like a good job of breaking it down, and I'm a big fan. I I watched all your LC take us. I hope you do. I wish you luck with your endeavors on the team. Appreciate it. Well, have a good one, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks so much. Have a good one. Yeah. All right. I thought for sure that was about to spiral into like, I hope you do well, but I also hope you return to cast. <laughs> like I felt like he was about to say that. <laughs> I was like, oh no.
Well, I want to thank Papa uh, so much for coming on the show. Is there anything that you uh, want to shout out or say to anyone at the end here? No. Um, obviously, we're taking a lot of risks this week. Um, I'm playing on Friday with some pieces. Um, and we have no idea how it's going to go. Like, obviously, it's going to be a very interesting week's practice since uh, we're in it for the long haul. But thank you for the patience of the fans who tune in every week um, and try to make sense of whether we're moving in the right direction. We first, we finally had kind of our feeling that we were not holding ourselves to that same improvement mindset and, uh, you know, same improvement that was necessary to get to where we wanted to go. So we've made a big change. We're taking some risks and we're hoping it pays off. Uh, I just want to say thanks for coming on. This was a sick episode and it was also very insightful. So thanks for coming on. Pleasure. Uh, thanks everyone for watching. This has been hotline. Oh, by the way, some people message me and they say, Hey, can you make this into a podcast? Yes. I say this it all the time. It's on Spotify. I feel, I don't know if those people don't go look first. They don't go look Travis. It's the internet. It comes yeah, to you. Or you don't see it. Go look at Spotify first. Uh, there's before a, you ask me if there's a podcast. You should look up anchor FM. I don't know anything about it, but apparently the dive started using anchor FM and the dive is a great podcast. So you might want to copy them. I mean, I think we, I don't like use... the one guy on it. Mark something. Yeah. He's, he's yeah, questionable. He's I, uh, I think we use anchor actually to distribute. Oh. It, so, you know, either way, thanks everyone for watching. This has been hotline league.